Hello and welcome to episode 31 of Inherited Will, a One Piece podcast. A weekly podcast discussing each week's manga chapter and a reread of past chapters. My name is Thomas. And I'm Jordan. Jumping right on in to the fresh chapter, 1028, then later 346 to 358. Here we go. A uh, beefy one <laughs> this time around. Lots to discuss. Yeah, you say jumping right in, but the uh, the front cover <laughs> spread kind of deserves some speaking about, I think. Agreed. This seems like a pretty blatant homage to Smash Bros. Would you agree? Oh, no doubt. <laughs> I was trying to place what each person was. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, obviously Jinbei is Mario. Uh, Frankie is Donkey Kong. Jimbario. <laughs> yes, yes. Zoro is Link. Uh, I I don't really know about Brook Chopper. Sanji could be either Samus or Snake, I guess. Sanji, I got the impression of Inkling because of the squirt gun, but like the outfit doesn't really match, so I don't really know. That's why I went with Samus, because like a gun and armor maybe maybe like um, wolf perhaps he's got a gun and like space armor and like a purple theme that's true let's see I don't really know who Brooke or Robin are meant to be I thought maybe Bayonetta for Robin but it's not really I think those two now that now that I think about it I think those two might be assist trophies um Brooke kind of looks like the... Well, he's got a cape. Never mind. I thought he looked... Robin has the wings, which looks like the uh, the bat one that like moves the view of the stage around. Indeed. Uh, yeah, Brooke, I'm at a loss. Chopper, I'm at a loss. I think Chopper's meant to be Charizard? Maybe? Oh my god, that's the cutest Charizard. <laughs> I don't know. That's my best guess. He's like some sort of that... lizard for sure, and he's orange... So I yeah, but the tail, I, I mm. the tail is kind of Pikachu y, so maybe it's just a Pokemon yeah, just in general. Mashed a couple of them together and said, "Bam, <laughs> this is Smash yeah, Bros. yeah." I'm su- now that we say that, I'm surprised he didn't do a Fire Emblem one for Zoro. Indeed, or Brook. Honestly, Brook could have been a good Fire Emblem character. Yeah, that's true, and maybe he is, and we just don't know. Um, <laughs> Yeah, could be. I wonder who is the better competitor between these two, Usopp and Nami. Uh, Usopp is having a full-on meal while playing this game. I think he's pretty confident in his Indeed. skills. And he's got some sort of like very high-tech goggle situation going on. He might and be a cheating. bandana that says it's not play. Yeah, that's true. He takes it very. <laughs> this is very war seriously. for him. <laughs> yeah. Uh, let's see. I think that covers pretty much everything here. Well, there are two tasty rainbows in there, and I'd be remiss not to point those out. (laughs) You know what? When you're right, you're right. I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Moving on. That's right. Jumping into the chapter now. Uh, 1028, Brachiosnakus. That's a weird title. Wonder what that means. Let's find out. (laughs) 
I mean, I, as a paleontologist, know exactly what that means. Oh, no but... doubt. I'm sure you and <laughs> Oda went to the same paleontology school. And <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Here we go. We're checking in with CP0 again for a few pages. Uh, our go friend, whose name I either don't know or do not recall, uh, checking in with somebody that we don't see for a little bit. Freaking out over this dragon situation, but the guy on the phone really just doesn't care. He's like, that's fine with me. <laughs> if they kill each other, great. Works out. But uh, on the phone man has a plan from the higher ups. If Kaido actually goes down in this war, the world government is already prepared to basically take over the place. As soon as Kaido is gone, they're going to basically annex it under the flag of the world government. And uh, judging from this panel, they're basically already there. <laughs> hmm. Most definitely. Indeed. They're on the doorstep. Uh-huh. So uh, that's not great for our boys. If Kaido goes down this arc, and I imagine he probably will, uh, it's not going to be without a pretty hefty struggle. It already kind of has been. So uh, if there are beefers on these ships, that's not going to go well for our team. It definitely could be problematic, but also, well, no. I was going to say that the the crew could definitely sneak away in Law's submarine, but like, A, it'd probably get pretty cramped with the whole two crews, and B, they kind of need their ship as well. And that so. doesn't help Wano either. <laughs> well, <laughs> if no. If Straw Hatches but... leave, then Wano is taken over, and that's not great. <laughs> no, no. But it's what they usually do. They just dip. But uh got a bit of a vested interest in this particular island. Yeah. I don't know. I, I don't know how this is going to work out for him. Me neither. <laughs> Guess yeah. we'll find out. Um, man on the phone, though, uh, not entirely convinced it'll come to that. They're not going to mess with it if Kaido doesn't go down. So he's asking the man who is there to give an update on the battle. Do you actually think that Kaido will go down? He asks, more or less. Uh he doesn't say these things, but we get like a narration update on the state of the battle. Mm-hmm. We get a reminder that at the beginning it was 30,000 Kaido versus 5,400 Luffy and Co. That has now dwindled to, uh, I say dwindled, but one side actually goes up, <laughs> uh, 12,000 Kaido to 8,000 Luffy and Co. So the margin has certainly shifted. Unfortunately, one side does still have Kaido and Big Mom, so that's not great. But our friend, the man with the go board, still can't actually envision Kaido going down. So we'll see how that goes, I suppose. Then we find out, uh, apparently there's one other thing the world government uh, has a vested interest in on Wano. Rob Lucci, man on the other side of the phone, uh, wants Robin. Clearly a man who has learned no lesson from the last time he got these orders. For real. Like, oh, I'm ready for another beat down already. <laughs> I am stoked for this. This is this is good stuff. Quite so. Now, it's not actually confirmed anywhere that I can see on these pages that Rob Lucci, Kaku, and Stussy, I think her name is, are actually on these ships approaching Wano. I'm inclined to think they probably are, but uh, may not necessarily be the case. That's not how I read it at all. You think they are not there, you mean? Yeah, I think they would send, like, an advanced force. I don't 
I don't think well yeah I would I would imagine with Kaido down they feel pretty confident in being able to just show up and be like hey we're the world government sorry <laughs> um but I mean just the fact that uh Rob Lucci says bring back Nico Robin like yeah, that's true why wouldn't they be in charge of getting her well they're not gonna intervene if uh the plan is for them to not intervene if Kaido doesn't go down. But either way, they want Robin. Right. But what I'm saying is why Why would Rob Lucci tell Go-Man to bring back Nico Robin if he was going to do it himself? Because the advance force that we see in like approaching Wano isn't actually going to go all the way there if Kaido doesn't go down. Is the way I read it. Okay, but... Oh, oh! you think that if Kaido didn't go down and Rob was on those ships, he would just chill there? Yeah, if Kaido goes down, they don't have any need or any intent to take over Wano, so they're just going to go home, I guess. But Why would Rob Lucci not then prioritize getting Nico Robin himself? I mean, maybe he will, but they've already got some CP0 agents there already. I get, that's true, that's true. I don't know. You threw me off with this because I did not think about it this way at all. But it, it's plausible, you know? It's also kind of stormy in the panels of the ships. But it looks pretty clear out that window behind Kaku. So It is very bright in that room, yeah. Maybe they're not there. I don't know. Not enough information presently. Correct. But uh, if Lucy is on the way, I don't really know who he would fight. I mean... It's not canon, right? But in one of the movies, he fought on par with Sabo. <laughs> so if we mm -hmm. are to assume he has gotten that much buffer in the two years, I'm not sure that like even the combination of Robin and uh, Brooke could put him down, especially if he had backup from other CP0 guys. Yeah, it'd be extremely difficult. Like, yeah, Kaku and uh, Rob together is... A huge force to be reckoned with, I would imagine. Indeed. Unless it just kind of turns into like a... I don't really know like the word to describe it, but maybe they'll like confront Luffy, and Luffy with his newfound powers will just bop him, <laughs> one-shot this man. I don't know. You think this is going to be a similar thing to like right after the time skip, really? Maybe. You think they'd pull that again? That feels... I don't, I don't know why. That feels weak to me. Maybe it's just because we're currently rereading Water 7, so I'm like, cool, Rob Lucci, I do like this character. It's amazing how frequently the the reread like, directly relates to the, yeah. the current chapters. I was going to bring it up later, <laughs> but like, yeah, we are hitting these points pretty good. Oh boy. Um, but yeah, I guess we'll find out what goes on with this man later. Certainly fascinated to see where it goes. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> hopefully we get more soon, but we really, we don't even know that. Uh, true. I mean, on the following page, we find out that only five minutes remain before uh, Onigashima reaches the flower capital. So they got to do something fast if they want uh, Robin for sure. So we'll find out what happens at that time, I suppose. Uh, we checked in with Momonosuke on the outside, calling for Yamato. He wants help because he's having a rough time summoning... Uh, a flame cloud any bigger than his hands. So, oofa doofa. Gonna need you to 
get it together here moment, OJ. Poofa doofa? Poofa doofa in this case. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't want you to miss that one. It was right there. <laughs> Thanks. I appreciate that. <laughs> uh, so Momonosuke is trying his best, still not having a great time of it. Uh, still nothing even close to what Kaido can currently do. So, God, no. It's looking bad. Uh, Yamato has, since the last time we saw him, uh, jumped from Momonosuke, climbing up the side of Onigashima, with the intent to do something <laughs> about the explosives kept on the island. I don't know what he intends to do. Right? What's what's his plan here? Like, toss them off one by one before they hit the city? I don't think yeah. that's much better. I mean, we're led to believe that the majority of the populace is in the flower capital, I believe. So that yeah. would certainly lessen the damage. Um, maybe he's going to freeze them? That might stop them from going off if they fall i guess yeah if you kept them really stable <laughs> i guess we don't know what kind of explosives these are uh but the, yeah apparently the impact would be enough to set them off i like the freeze idea it's my best and only guess for the time being but uh mm -hmm. yamato reaches the top transforms into uh okami amaterasu and uh running past uh laws boys back on the top there just they get in one real quick line <laughs> whoa a huge wolf and then they're out of here and, and we only barely see them but yep <laughs> one and a half of them <laughs> yeah. oh no well two and a half maybe uh i only see the one and the half i see the dude uh, with look the on mask. the right side oh you're right yep there there's actually Possibly another dude. Regardless, <laughs> not many of them. Indeed. Barely any of Law's dudes. I wonder if they will be relevant in any way going forward. I really hope so. I I want them to be more meaningful other than just, like, filler crew. Indeed. Even Beppo, like, the number one Law guy, is just kind of dealing with fodder throughout the entire uh, war. So, yeah, it doesn't get much time to show personality. It's, indeed. It's upsetting they're part of the alliance let's give them something frankly john bart has more had more screen time than beppo has <laughs> and he hasn't said anything oh uh, no embarrassing uh, we'll check in with them at a future date i suppose uh -huh. then we get to uh the meaty bit of this chapter we're back on the live floor checking in with the sanji versus queen confrontation the one i've been waiting for with bated breath most of all uh, Sanji throws a kick at Queen. Looks like several kits, judging from the impact drawings there. While Queen counters with a punch, I guess, called the Flying Pan. <laughs> Don't know what that one's about, but... Yeah, they're all food, or, you know, cooking, but... I guess he just couldn't think of a punch term, I suppose. Like, the, the black coffee one we get in a few pages... And also, we've seen that one before. I am to understand is like a pun off of like Baratio because of the whole RL thing in Japanese. Uh. But uh, flying pan, I certainly don't get. <laughs> yeah, frying pan, flying pan, drying pan. We're at Pokemon now again. <laughs> Aren't we always? Uh, yeah. Queen confirmed Brock. Oh, there we go. Brock. <laughs> Brachiosaurus. Brachiosaurus. We did it. 
Oh my god. Oh no. Oh, Thomas, we have to stop the podcast forever. It's never going to get better than oh, that. We, we solved podcasting. We've reached the pinnacle. We did it. Whew. Oh right. man, that's good. Uh, title of this episode confirmed. Absolutely. All right. Uh, okay. Sanji blots a, a, another punch. Uh, apparently it is a heavy one. Then he dodges a sword swing from uh, your boy Queen, who's getting impatient with Sanji because he doesn't want to put on the raid suit. Stupid Sanji with his dumb pride and such. What a fool. Right. Uh, baby Deezer Chopper and uh, the squirrel mink is there uh, reacting. Sanji, Chopper says. <laughs> Meaningful. It's a really good addition. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I did like the impression that Queen's maybe a little bit jealous here in this following panel, where he says, I know you used it against Kane earlier. Were you getting that vibe? Uh, Yeah, that, yeah, I'll buy that. I was a little bit more focused on his fascination with the invisibility, but yeah, he's a weirdo, so he wants to like experience it head on, probably. I can be fascinated by more than one thing, Jordan. No, I, I'm glad that you are. Uh, yeah, I mean, he he's got to have enough personality to make up for King's, like, lack, thereof, lack of, of one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And he's certainly a, a real card, this queen guy. Uh, but yeah, yeah, he is interested specifically in the invisibility power. So I guess he wants to swipe it for himself. Uh, well... I don't. The only reason that it really interests me is because Blackbeard was also very much after the invisibility fruit, right? Like, why does everyone want invisibility so bad? I don't know for sure if Blackbeard was like seeking out Absalom's power specifically, or if Absalom, as like a photographer, like working for Big News Morgans or whatever, just went there to like dig up the big scoop and then got mm. caught and Blackbeard was like, okay, you've got a devil fruit power. May as well take it. You know? Yeah. I guess that's that, that fits the narrative, right? Mm -hmm. Like, yeah. But at the same time, one of his beefier guys, uh, what's his, what's his name? The impelled out guy with the hat and the sword. I even know who you're talking about, but I, I'm terrible with names. I can't believe it's taken me this long to figure it out. Uh, everyone at home <laughs> probably knows his name, though. So that guy. You know the man. Uh, he's the one who took that fruit. So I guess it's useful in some capacity. I mean, I've always said that the value of invisibility seems pretty tenuous when observation hockey is involved. But mm -hmm. maybe maybe the invisibility fruit like bypasses observation hockey. I don't know. I guess. I I mean, awakened invisibility fruit would just make other stuff invisible, I guess. Which is neat, but again, <laughs> observation hockey. Like, meh. Plus, Absalom's power can, al can already apply to uh, other things. He has to be oh, touching okay, them, yeah. but he uses, like, yeah. the, makes the bazookas disappear. Right. Yeah, that's a good point. Guess we'll see what happens. We just don't know enough about anything. <laughs> Isn't that always the way? Mm -hmm. um, but back to the chapter at hand. Uh, Sanji takes that big punch, and he's like, hmm, yeah, definitely something weird going on here with my body. Uh, meanwhile, Queen still yelling at him. Put on the raid suit. Sanji doesn't want to. Uh, 
Uh, Queen charges up a black coffee beam, shoots it at him. Sanji gets out of the way and hits one of his uh, one of the first moves we see from Sanji post time skip, the Bien Kui Grill shot, lands right on Queen's big old stomach. It's nice to see him get one that really like hits, you know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. At the very least, it sizzles his clothing, so that's pretty good. <laughs> I'm sure Queen is going to be annoyed about that someday. Probably. I'm sure it's difficult to get this design of clothes and his size. So, <laughs> especially when they have to like stretch around his constantly contorting body, it's a whole situation with that man. But at the very least, it knocks him to the ground. He transforms back into his tall man form. Uh, Sanji comments here, having a rough time breaking through his dino toughness. So even that one doesn't appear to have uh, impacted the man too much. But Queen does compliment him. He says, that organic kick of yours was pretty strong. Yeah, the the <laughs> the fact that he feels the need to point it out as organic. You're a normal guy. Your kick was all right, I guess. But I'm like a cyborg, so that makes me cool. It's still, yeah, it's just a weird way of talking. But again, Queen's just weird. Quite so. But uh, he decides to fight Sanji on his level. And only to use, for the moment, the natural abilities of the Brachiosaurus. Here we go. Here's some shit. Um, <laughs> he lines up his body in a straight line with his neck forward and his tail backwards. Here we go. The true ancient power of the dinosaur. And the man launches out his neck and tail through his body and basically becomes a snake, discarding his body and legs behind him. <laughs> Just straight up shoots his spine at his enemy yeah, he sure does shoop he goes shocking everybody in the room Izo, marco <laughs> chopper in particular the samurai <laughs> no one is safe by the shock <laughs> me <laughs> i am not safe yeah i didn't know they could do this yeah. i know i lied earlier about being a paleontologist but like whoa oh my. thank you for doing the science for us oda i really would like to speak with whoever oda got his paleontology lessons from because uh a true mad genius <laughs> this man um <laughs> the creativity here is so good Indeed. like to look at a brachiosaurus and just be like yeah i'm gonna fuck with that <laughs> like <laughs> i love it when Wano started, and it started to become pretty apparent that, like, all of the main guys of Kaido's crew were, like, dinosaurs and other animals, I was a little bit worried that the battles were going to be kind of boring. Like, hmm. Katakuri's got, like, mochi powers. There's a lot of weird stuff you can do with that, but a dinosaur is just a dinosaur. <laughs> or so I thought. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> but uh, I'm glad that Oda has found various creative ways to make these dinosaur fights fun and interesting. Well, but done. not all of them. Like that's true. Page one's kind of just a dinosaur. Yeah, page Drake's one was also just a dinosaur. Joke, but indeed, well, yeah, Ulti just a dinosaur. Drake is only a dinosaur so far. That's true. Like these people could come back and pull off something <laughs> weird. Apparently, indeed. And you know what? I'd be okay with it. If that's the future, like, volume cover stories, I'd be real into that. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, that'd be interesting. I like that a lot. Um, to the point, though, uh, 
Snake Queen shots even Sanji with this, catches him off guard, and wraps his just very, very thick snake body around the poor guy. This is what the Brachiosaurus can do, he says. Oh, man. Still can't get over it. Uh, apparently, not a single person has escaped from this move. Uh, the Brachio Coilless. So he just slaps whatever he wants into the, the Saurus bit of Brachiosaurus. I'm guessing he doesn't get to use this move so often, so he's still feeling it out. <laughs> Probably. He's like waiting for a reaction from people, people around him, like, oh yeah, that, that sounds cool. Yeah, yeah, he's right, it does sound cool. Uh, <laughs> apparently this is a pretty beefy move, though, because apparently even so-called masters of armament hockey haven't been able to uh, prevent the pressure crushing their bones. So, uh, geez. Strong. Good lord. Very strong. I think Luffy'd be fine, but everyone else, not so good. Indeed. Uh, he's like, don't worry, though. If you just put on the raid suit, or even if you just promise to put on the raid suit, uh, I'll let you go. So we'll find out what happens with that later, I suppose. Uh, then we get a fun little bit. Um, apparently, Queen has outfitted his like discarded legs and body. With uh, brachial launchers. That's fun. But uh, if he mentions them in any capacity, they will launch. Uh, and he mentions them just by describing what they do, and he gets blasted in the back. Aw. I love this gag <laughs> so much. <laughs> the first time it happens, I'm like, oh yeah, that's pretty funny. And then you flip the page, and it happens again. <laughs> and it looks almost the exact same. Like, the the explosion effect is a little different, but otherwise it's the same, and I love it. Like, Oda, he got a gag out of it, and he saved himself a little bit of time, you know? <laughs> and it's did. great. And the panel where uh, Queen is yelling at it, saying, you idiots. Uh, you see, like, his body is, like, reacting with an exclamation point <laughs> back there. Like, oh, yeah, time to shoot. <laughs> It's a little cute. <laughs> That's <actually>. the word. <laughs> uh, so he gets blasted. Uh, Queen loosens his grip on Sanji, uh, who's not looking so great. <laughs> He's got a little bit of... An origami look? Yeah. <laughs> Poor guy is a little bit bent up. Uh, mm. Chopper is even concerned that he has turned into a zombie. Oh, no. <laughs> All of his bones are I mean, broken. yeah. I, I get it. He looks all shambly. Sure does. Uh, and apparently it is painful, but he's moving around just fine. Then his body just kind of snaps back into place. Easy peasy. This man has awakened a healing factor of sorts. An extreme healing factor. If what this man says is true and all of his bones are broken, they just kind of like pop back into place. That's uh, very strong. <laughs> Yeah, that's like, that's probably stronger than Wolverine's. Even Wolverine takes some time to do this shit. Indeed. I mean, it's a whole, like, one panel between these two things, Jordan. Who knows <laughs> the amount of time that could have taken. Um, Maybe it's just really strong, like, the first time that it comes out, and then it's more of a steady stream. But, like, if it's this strong all the time, oh my god. Indeed. Guess we'll find out. Uh Sanji here is concerned, because he kind of figured out what happens here, uh, that he has awakened the exoskeleton of the Vinsmokes. Oh no, pretty much. Uh, then Queen takes a big ol' sword swing at the back of Sanji's neck, and his sword just snaps. 
Sanji just says, ow. Yeah. Not like, there's not even an exclamation point. Yeah. It's not a, like, jagged speech bubble. Just, ow. Yeah. That sure did impact the back of my neck a little bit. He doesn't even fall down. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. incredible. Sanji goes, huh? And uh, expresses concern that he doesn't want to uh, become a monster like his brothers. Uh, Queen, mm-hmm. also very shocked by this. And so the chapter ends. This is going to be weird for Sanji, huh? It certainly is. <laughs> this is like existential crisis almost. Uh, levels of weird. Pretty much. Um, I know that I have expressed concerns previously regarding this whole Sanji-Germa situation. Mm-hmm. I still have those concerns, but... For starters, we all saw this coming a couple chapters ago. So it's had time to sit with me, and I'm mostly over it. Um, to go over it in a bit more depth for a moment, I suppose, though. Uh, <laughs> you know how much I love talking about Sanji. But uh, mm-hmm. my issue with this Vinsmo situation is multifaceted, and I consider this to be the lesser of the two quote-unquote offenses. In this chapter, mm-hmm. we learn that Indeed, it appears that using the raid suit has awakened Sanji's mince mode augmentations. Sanji hates his family, of course, and he's obtained his current level of strength without their help. So getting this power up from Judge this late in the story kind of makes it feel like the story is trying to say that Judge was right, um, which doesn't sit quite right with me. But in this chapter, Sanji himself expresses that he doesn't want this to happen. So it seems to me, judging from those comments that he makes in his head, that this exact issue is going to be addressed in the story, which makes it feel a little bit better for me. Yeah, if it was left just here and he was like, woohoo, I'm a superhero. Exactly. That would be awful. (laughs) That would be just, uh, yeah, just bad. Indeed. Um, But it, it seems like Oda's taking the proper steps and... I'm actually kind of excited to mm-hmm. see where it goes, you know? Like, even though Sanji has been through so much recently, just, like, here's here's more on top of that, dude. Enjoy. <laughs> Indeed. He certainly had a rough go of it as of late. Yeah. Uh, with Chopper here, I thought it might even be, like, a similar thing to what he went through during the time skip, where he accepts that he's a monster, but he gets over it because it gives him the strength to help his friends. And Chopper's mm-hmm. even there, so maybe he'll help him work through his issues throughout this fight. Maybe. I would love to see Baby Geezer Chopper as, like, a mentor because <laughs> of the the old mind. That would kind of make yeah, sense. He, he has a great deal of uh, worldly experience now. So, yeah. <laughs> Without a doubt. Uh, I've also seen a complaint that this whole Sanji actually being successfully augmented makes Sora's sacrifice meaningless since Sanji ended up augmented anyway. Uh, but that's clearly nonsense. Sora's goal was to give her children emotions. Uh, mm-hmm. And with Sanji, she clearly succeeded. So Yeah, <laughs> did a very good job. Indeed. So, in short, it seems like Oda knows what he's doing, with this one at least. Uh, surprise. But the other issue for me, which is not yet addressed, and it may never be, uh, is Sanji's fire powers. Uh, this is the bigger one for me, since we've already received an explanation for his Diablo Jamba, the friction and the uh, his heart burned so hot thing. Mm-hmm. Um, 
But as I've already noted, if handled well, I can forgive this as well. I'm really rooting for the idea that Sanji's powers do stem for his genetic modifications, but are boosted beyond what his brothers are capable of by his emotions. So it's like a best of both worlds type situation. But uh, that may never come to pass, which would also be fine with me. So we'll find out, I suppose. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I hope we do. Goodness. Mm -hmm. It seems like we're we're bound for a flashback soon right like either king's flashback or something with kaido or something with um like m m this is a weird flashback but like zoro's backstory like we gotta have something coming up right i'm kind of expecting three flashbacks uh right definitely <laughs> something with kaido mm -hmm. something's got to be done with king whether that's mm -hmm. a flashback to like his time as a lunarian on top of the red line or Maybe that'll just be gone over with dialogue. I don't know. And then also a Judge slash Queen flashback. And uh, throw Vegapunk in there too. Oh, Judge Queen. That makes... Yeah, and that would tie in with Sanji, so that all makes sense. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, They've already teased stuff with Zoro, though, so like they have to give us some sort of a wrap-up with that, I would imagine. I suppose. I mean, I'd like more details about how Zoro got from point A to point B, but yeah. beyond that, it's already pretty much confirmed that that guy was his dad. So, yeah, I guess yeah, just to see if that has any significance. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, if it's just like a Easter egg type thing, then that's also fine with me. But oh yeah, I would imagine that hardcore Zoro fans would not be satisfied if left as is. <laughs> Are they ever satisfied? <laughs> Doesn't seem so. I can't complain, though. I've literally ranted about Sanji like 12 times throughout the podcast, so whatever. Yeah, right. And uh, just to reiterate, I do like Zoro. He's just not my number one, so Quite I don't so. mean to poo-poo on Major Zoro fans. Y'all are valid. To poo-poo on Major Zoro fans for a moment, though. I don't think that <laughs> Zoro is in my top five straw hats, though. So He's one of the, the bottom tier ones for me. Well, not bottom tier. That's what it'll be in. You just said to poo-poo on him, though. Well, not so, too like... much. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta stay reserved. Back to Sanji, though. Uh, I do think it's cool if Sanji gets a power boost. And I think this probably puts his base defense stat higher than any of the Straw Hats, right? Like, if you take away the hockey of it all, he's probably, like, tankier than either... More so than Frankie? I'd think so, yeah. I would think that the... Vin smoke augmentations are probably stronger than Frankie's metal body. Considering Frankie definitely doesn't have any regenerative properties, mm -hmm. yeah, I guess you could you could say that that's all defensive, and then there's no doubt. Yeah, I mean this was a big sword slash from a uh, Yanko commander, right? I wouldn't think that Frankie will be able to just tank that and be totally fine. <laughs> that's true. He'd have to at least use like the Frankie shield or something yeah i mean he didn't although it is just a normal sword like i'm pretty sure queen just picks these up and <laughs> is like yeah this is the one for now that's true and it wasn't like a hockey swing as far as we yeah. can tell so there's a lot of factors here but i i still think i agree with you overall he's sitting at the top there well done sanji i got a feeling that zoro's gonna get another power boost in his uh fight with king so we'll see if this remains the case but uh we'll find out um, anything else to say about this chapter? I feel like we've been talking about this one for a long time already. 
<laughs> We've definitely done our due diligence, Indeed. and uh, I'm I'm good with moving on. I'm sure there's more I could pull out, but meh. isn't there always? There does appear to be a break next week. Next chapter should release on October 24th. And that takes us into the reread segment, covering 346 to 358. Read it properly this time. You're welcome. Thank you. Uh, covering <laughs> through the Frankie flashback. Here we go. So 346 starts us off with more of what we love. Iceberg being a cool guy, Kaku being polite to a man he intends to kill, and Rob Lucci just kind of doing his job. I think this is the chapter where they, well, maybe they already said this, but they reiterate it, that uh, the Cypher Pole's jobs are to gather information for the world government. Mm -hmm. And it's neat that they like lay out this is what they're supposed to do while they're doing it, like revealing Frankie's real name and all that. Uh, so I like that. It makes the characters more grounded. Uh, for sure. And then they go on to like deduce, basically, a great deal of information just from a thing they heard like seven years ago or something. Mm-hmm. That felt weird to me initially that they would remember like in that level of detail something that happened that long ago. But then later we find out that like Frankie made a stink at the time and like... Mm-hmm. With him looking the way he does, I can imagine that sticking in somebody's head for that length yeah. of time. And Cuddy yeah. Flam is a weird name, even for One Piece. <laughs> so it's true. Fair enough, Oda. Uh, so back to CP9. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bluno starts showing off again, which I, I guess is just sort of his thing. And then the rest of them join in to really show off how far above the Straw Hats they are, while also kind of showing off the six powers for the first time. Let's see. We definitely get a few examples of the finger pistol. We see shave, iron body, uh, Rankiaku tempest kick. Um, Moonwalk they use, and uh, I think they even use the, like, wiggly paper art. So, yeah. The paper one. All sets, yep. We get brief examples of all those things. Neat. Yeah. So they're they're really just showing off, though. Like, Lucci even says, like, well, before he pulls out his devil fruit, he's like, well, there might not be many chances to do this, so why not? <laughs> Indeed. Not very often I have to transform. And I still don't have to, but uh, <laughs> going to just for fun. We spoke briefly uh, last week about how scary Oda made CP9 look. And then they mm-hmm. just manhandle both Zoro and Luffy here with no effort yeah. at all. Yeah. I mean, you, you say that Rob didn't have to transform, but I would kind of argue that he did. I mean, he tried the finger pistol on Luffy and it didn't do anything. Like, I guess he didn't, you know, have to, but Rob being Rob, <laughs> he kind of did just to actually get a hit in with his fingernail piercing him. I suppose so. They could have also just used, like, the slash kit, and that would have still dealt damage to Luffy. Kaku and Khalifa double-teamed slash-kicked Luffy in, like, one of the chapters, and he was fine. You know, I do remember that happening. Hmm. I don't know if they hit him with their legs, and then, like, the shockwave went through him, but that doesn't make sense. So, I had assumed that he could tank those. conclude that. Hmm. Yeah. Strange. It is strange, for sure. It's <laughs> I guess these powers aren't quite as well laid out as they could be. Indeed. 
But uh, even factoring in that he doesn't seem to be able to just like damage Luffy normally in his base form, he sure does manhandle the man. There's that bit where oh, uh, yeah. he's just like holding Luffy by the face and Luffy can't do anything. <laughs> he's mm-hmm. totally mm-hmm. helpless and uh, not a good look for our hero. Right, yeah. Uh, it's It's been a wild ride, and we're we're back at the bottom here. <laughs> Gotta claw our way up. Quite so. Poor Luffy. He yeah. got Xehanorted. <laughs> yep. I don't um, know that reference so, carried up the people at home, but I understood it, and that's what counts. <laughs> Beautiful. So, as the storm grows, we check in with Usopp and Frankie. Uh, I think this is chapters like 350 and 351 uh where i felt just like some really satisfying storytelling went on as we see frankie and usopp sort of getting along and and exchanging information uh we cut and we get a glimpse of cp9 hunting them down methodically and frankly terrifyingly they are showing they are a force oh yes no one escapes their grasp the tension is growing as CP9 is getting ever closer. And on top of that, Usopp and Frankie are very much, they're like, they're feeling each other out, you know? And they end up butting heads a few times. But it's just, it's these two wildly different atmospheres. Everything's building in this moment, and I, I thought it was real good. Indeed. I think it's especially interesting because it's like the two main stories of the arc kind of happening side by side and then they eventually converge just like there's mm-hmm. the cp9 stuff with robin and all that that's all been mostly separate from the usap mary situation and then we spend like those couple chapters you mentioned bouncing back and forth between those two worlds and then cp9 shows up and like oh these two stories are the same now so uh, mm-hmm. well done mm-hmm. and this little bit where frankie and usap is also what like sold me on Frankie back in the day. And we learned that he's got a fair bit of shipbuilding knowledge, which was teased even a little bit earlier when it was revealed that he was one of the apprentices alongside Iceberg. Um, and he's got some impressive ship wisdom, too. He tells Usopp here that he wouldn't stand in his way if his plan was just to throw his life away alongside his ship at sea. But because Usopp expressed his desire to go home on the Mary, Frankie felt it necessary to step in and basically try to save the man's life by uh, demolishing the ship. And he also thought it would be more respectful for the ship to dismantle it before it could fall apart before reaching their destination. Yeah, it's it's a weird form of respect, but, like, Frankie's the experienced one here, you know, and he's, he's kind of right. <laughs> I agree. Like, it's a little bit strange that Frankie's preferred method is to, like, pull the ship apart, but to do that would be better than like let the mary fail in its mission to get usopp home you know well he was also making a statement in that moment like pulling out a a hammer to remove the nails wouldn't be (laughs) even close to as impactful as just like ripping the side off (laughs) that's true he is he is making a point to usopp i i i was going to point out how like frankie shows usopp this tough tough love Mm -hmm. that like he sort of needed, sort of didn't. Usopp has had no shortage of tough situations over the past day? Two days? <laughs> yeah. But, like, at least someone actually knows about some of the things that he's going through and, like, 
uh, Frankie names the Klebauterman, and he really kind of grounds everything that Usopp has been feeling. Because Usopp admits that he's known for a while that the Mary was done for. He's just, God, he's had so much going on, and like, he just wants to sit in this denial because it's a comfortable place. And I don't, I don't blame him, right? Yeah. Like, he's, again, I think I said this last week, but he's like 16 or 17. I just feel so bad for him. Certainly been having a rough time. Yeah. And Usopp says there that Frankie's like, well, why did you argue with your friends about this if you knew that it was fruitless? And he's like, well, it's hard to stay rational in situations like these. And I felt for the guy. He cares about the mm-hmm. Mary a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. To briefly touch on the Clavlauder man. <laughs> again for a second yeah. um a neat little call back to what happened to skypea glad to have that uh that little case closed and uh i think this is also the bit where frankie did say fair deal of respect for the straw hats in general because he finds out here that they treat their ship with love and care so mm-hmm. plus two straw hat points for frankie well done yeah like at this point it probably should have been more obvious that frankie was gonna join but i don't know i still wasn't thinking that the first time i read through it you naive fool past jordan mm-hmm. was a real dummy mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i assume that's true i don't know <laughs> uh <laughs> so like they're chilling they're hanging out whatever not really chilling it's not it's is super not chill <laughs> but uh regardless eventually as we said cp9 bursts in at first i was like kind of confused as to why Frankie didn't even try to hide that he was Cuddy Flam when they pointed it out or deny it. Like, they basically say, you are Cuddy Flam, and then he's just like, oh, yep. (laughs) (laughs) Like, uh, I I guess he knows when to, like, cut it in a bad situation, because he does see how powerful these foes are, and I guess he's not going to mess with them. But this was a lie that he kept up for eight years, and then just dropped (laughs) i suppose so i mean it's more an a lie of omission basically i doubt anyone has come up to him and been like hey you're cutty flam previously to this it's just been like i'm frankie and that's all there is to it right that's true and also they show up and they they clearly already know (laughs) so and they weren't gonna let him go if he lied about it they were gonna beat him up steal his shit it just didn't you know (laughs) it didn't feel very goofball frankie from what i had seen but i think the stakes had already been raised high enough at that point Mm -hmm. that like it makes sense for that to go to the wayside for a little bit indeed and then cp9 proceeds to thrash frankie with arguably more ease than they had with luffy and zoro so uh, just boosting up that spook factor on them goodness me that uh thorny whip of Cauliflower is a uh, pretty nasty. I would not like to be wrapped up in that thing. No thanks. I would imagine that's why she uses it. Indeed. Yeah, because it is unpleasant. <laughs> who boy? Uh, Big who? Yeah, yeah. So pretty soon after that, we jump into the flashback where we learn about who Frankie is, mm-hmm. and reading the part where they put Tom up for execution the first time like really reignited my hate for the world government they're just ugh. they execute this man simply for building the ship and i know the 
government like wasn't there, but he was just explaining to young Frankie how you just build a ship. Whoever ends up owning it gets to decide what the ship's for. And I love that philosophy. It makes sense. Pretty much. Um, I was trying to put together like the timeline of events that kind of comparing this flashback to the more recent Roger flashback, which involved Tom. Uh, at the beginning of the flashback, it says this was 22 years ago, which would have been two years before Gold Roger was executed. And I assume shortly after the last time Roger visited Tom, when we see them like palling around and Frankie's there for a hot second. Um, mm. So it was fascinating to me that even before Roger found Laugh Tale, the government was gathering up and killing anyone who ever helped him. Yeah, I was going to talk on that for a minute because that's just the most extreme thing I've ever heard. Indeed. If you even build a boat for this man, or like sell this man a boat, probably, sell him bread one time, you're going down. I was going to say, yeah, it's not, I doubt that Roger, of all people, like, stole all food and and supplies. I think that he would have no problem giving his money to the right people. Uh, and apparently all of those people are now six feet under. <laughs> probably. I mean, where does the government draw the line? I mean, building a ship for the man. Pretty big boon to his operation, but he could have gotten the ship anywhere, right? So, like, why does it matter that Tom built the ship for the guy, you know? Yeah, and it's not like when Tom built it, he was like, well, I don't, actually, I don't know. You just did the timeline. He wouldn't have been called... The Pirate King then, right? Like, no. he only was Pirate King after he found Laugh Tale. I was looking at that, too. I didn't go back and, like, reread the more recent flashback to confirm this. But in my head, that newspaper article where he's, like, called the Pirate King for the first time didn't come out until after he found Laugh Tale. But... That would make sense. But when he, uh, Tom is on trial... He says, for the, the judge says, for the crime of building the ship of the pirate king, you must be killed. Hmm. So uh, I think Oda goofed a little bit here, or maybe like the translation is, maybe they just said Roger and not the pirate king mm -hmm. or something mm -hmm. in the original mm -hmm. Japanese. But uh, something funky <laughs> is going on here. Yeah. Yeah. Not, not something that I care about terribly, but <laughs> it, yeah, it is weird. Not a big deal at all, but interesting to deep dive into these things on occasion uh, mm -hmm. speaking of a deep dive uh, I never noticed this panel previously and I've read through the series a couple times but there's a bit where Spandam is walking around and he's like causing a ruckus and a bucket of water falls on the man's head and we see yep. for one panel his face without his makeup and that dude actually looks kind of cool when he's not all <laughs> you know the, the the black nose and the like panda eyes and such huh i'll have to go back and look at that i didn't i didn't stay on his face for particularly long because i hate the dude but uh <laughs> that's worth looking into he reminded me like his face reminded me of a. I don't remember if you'll remember this movie and i don't remember which one it was but from like the third movie i think the uh the like the race one with like the dude who can turn into like a a goo 
or something. Hmm. I'll send you the picture later. You yeah, can do the comparison do. for yourself. Yeah. That's chapter 355 uh, for those following along at home and really want to see what Spandom really looks like. Don't do it to yourself, people. <laughs> it's not worth it. Right. Um, also in this flashback, something neat that's a little bit more obvious, but uh, when the Puffing Tom actually like hits the open sea, Oda threw in a young Polly in the crowd, which just makes sense and is very good. Indeed. It's probably what... Uh... One of several things that like inspired Polly to become a shipbuilder. Mm-hmm. Indeed. Mm-hmm. Kind of like uh, the, on a smaller scale, of course, but kind of like all those people that were at Gold Rogers' execution were inspired to become pirates as a result of that. Sure, that's true. Similar moments for uh, different goals. I like it a lot. Yeah. Uh, so back to Spandam, actually. <laughs> For being a chief officer of an information-gathering group, this man sure was unprepared for his confrontation with Tom. He certainly was. The one threat he had has been public knowledge for over a decade, Mm -hmm. and he Mm -hmm. treated it like it was an ace up his sleeve. He sure did. That's why he was only in charge of CP5 at the time, but even that appeared to be too high of a rank for him. Uh huh. Speaking of CP5, Oda spent absolutely zero time designing these <laughs> fools. <laughs> I don't hold it against him. Like, they are throwaway characters, but, like, one of them is the frowniest man I've ever seen. <laughs> I think all of their mouths are just kind of like a line. Uh, it's pretty goofy. Quite so. Uh, like you said, I don't blame him for doing that, but uh, I try not to look at him too much. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of people that I try not to look at too much, uh, back to spend. after like that's right. <laughs> well, yeah, no, we could go on forever. Um, but after like a hundred chapters, we see the five elders again, just for like a panel and just long enough to be ominous and stick in the back of our heads till we see them again in like two hundred chapters, probably. Uh, indeed. They just kind of flash in, and I still don't know anything about them, and yeah. boy, howdy, do I want to. We assume that they are like celestial dragons, because they are in charge of all the other celestial dragons and the world government as a whole. But uh, we don't know how they got that title. Are they like, we know they're old. Are they like actually part of the original group? That like the original kings of those... Uh, countries that became celestial dragons is that how i mean i'm really going off the rails with conspiracy theories right now but we know (laughs) that well we assume that because it is known that law one of law's powers of the ope ope fruit is the grant immortality we have to assume Mm -hmm. that that power has been used before otherwise how do we know that it's how do we a know thing, right so maybe it's been used a number of times and that is why uh the elder stars whatever they're called the five elders are so dang old could be could be i mean one of them definitely looked older than the other well wait no did one look older or did one look considerably younger i know one was wearing white when all the others were wearing black well, I don't think uh, clothing color denotes age, Jordan. 
Well, <laughs> yes. Yeah, I'm just trying to think of the main differences I saw on these fools. Looking at a picture of them now. And, uh, yeah, one of them does look a lot younger. He's got, like, a, a beard, blonde hair, a scar. Yeah. Whereas the other ones are, like, old people. They've all got scars, mm-hmm. pretty much. What was going on there? Hmm. And, yeah, one of them wears white, correct? Correct. It's like a white robe, and he's got, like, a sword, while the other ones are wearing yeah. suits. Yeah, I don't... I can't even begin to fathom these people. <laughs> Indeed. But we know we're going to learn more about them soon with this whole M situation. Yeah. No Looking doubt. forward to it. <clears throat> mm-hmm. uh, but back into the flashback. Uh, Tom's speech near, like, near, near the end of the flashback, one or two chapters before it's done, just had so much emotion in it. When he breaks out of his chains, straight up punches Frankie in the face for saying something that he himself must have thought so many times over the years of his as a shipbuilder. Mm-hmm. Like, they just went through such a whirlwind of events with the Battle Frankies being stolen and used to just, you know, uh, put Tom in a bad spot so they can secure the blueprints. Um, like, Tom is almost definitely about to die. He's got that harpoon in him. Or maybe he doesn't at this point. I don't know. Uh, But he still prioritizes teaching his pupils and being a good mentor. Like, it's so good. I really admire Tom. It's very strong. And like you said, could have broken free whenever, but only chose to, Mm -hmm. to pound a final lesson into his apprentice and also get revenge for him. So Frankie wouldn't have to be arrested for that. So good. Mm Mm-hmm. Also, like, he was still smart enough to think through it and be like, hey, man, pardon me for this, <laughs> not not that thing in the past. Like, it's just, it's really good stuff. Yep. I also find it really interesting that Tom's two disciples are, like, they're separately following the paths that he went down in his life. Um, Iceberg united and is reviving Water 7, like... It is what it is because of him, and Frankie built the ship that the new Pirate King is using. So, like, it's really cool stuff. Yeah, I'm a real sucker for stuff like that. It's really cool. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, this was... Uh, man. Oda knows what he's doing, and mm-hmm. it works every time. Uh, I mean, like I said earlier, I wasn't necessarily thinking about Frankie being a part of the crew at this point. It, it may have been in my mind. I don't remember. Um but it's going to be really interesting going forward, like thinking about just how much Frankie is getting revenge in the coming chapters as much as everyone else has their motivations to be there. I don't know. It'll be good. Agreed. Looking forward to it really bigly. Uh, anything else you've got before we go on to the, the little funny bits segment? Nope. I don't have very many funny bits this time because there's a lot of very serious moments in this chunk of 12 but i do have a couple no doubt uh oda (laughs) had to throw in a classic zoro losing his way this time even while trying to directly follow another person directly in front of him (laughs) the worst of all of (laughs) them he really took the cake on this one i don't know this one's gonna be funny to anyone else but me and maybe i'll have to like put it up on our twitter page or something so people can see the panel i'm talking about but uh 
When Tom gives Frankie and Icebird the Pluton plans, there's a panel of them looking shocked. Like they're looking at him like, whoa, these these are crazy. And in that panel, mm-hmm. off to the right, Yokozuna the Frog is sitting at that table with him, barely on panel, with his like webbed frog hands just folded neatly in front of him on the table. And I just <laughs> lost just calm it. as can be. Yeah. I'm sending you a picture <laughs> of it right now. But uh Oh, thank you. I just couldn't believe my eyes. I found this to be the funniest thing I had seen in the longest time. And um, <laughs> look at him, he just yeah. stone He's kind of just sitting there, like, mm, yes, yep. words. <laughs> look at me pretending to be a human, doing as the humans do. Just like <laughs> more of that. Please, that was pretty good. Jeez. Um, the last one I had was uh, towards the end of this chunk. Might have been before the flash pass started. I'm not sure, but Usopp pulling his classic move of calling out a bad guy, like "Hey, let's fight," and then apologizing the moment it gets serious. <laughs> yeah, immediately in this case, Rob turns around and he's just like, "Oh no, yeah, I don't want to mess with that guy. He's got a tall hat and a pigeon. You know, scary man, this Rob Lucci." Yeah, uh, one that I thought was kind of funny was. Um... Frankie just like pulling out his guitar every now and then and singing about Usopp Indeed. and him just being like, are you, are you making fun of me? <laughs> Indeed. I think the song was called something like, uh, a fight between friends, North wind chop. I'm like, ah, <laughs> classic Frankie. <laughs> what a guy. I wonder if Frankie and Brooke ever have jam sessions in the current day. Oh, I hope they do. Yeah. I would imagine it's hard for Frankie to play his guitar with hands of his current size but he's got many hands in there so he can make it happen he probably has a whole section that's just a self-playing guitar <laughs> in there probably he had lots it's of like guitar. a music box but a guitar right. <laughs> uh but that's i mean that's all i got let's wrap it up all right like i said before break next week next chapter drops on october 24th Feel free to go ahead and send in your thoughts on the new chapter via email to inheritedwillpodcasts at gmail.com. That's again, inheritedwillpodcasts, plural, at gmail.com. On Twitter to inherited underscore will, or simply in a comment on the YouTube video or the platform of your choice. As always, thanks for listening. Bye.